0: You, Jesus. I speak as the oracles of God. I speak with grace that only God supplies. Thank you, Lord, for insight, clarity of thought, of understanding, of purpose, and of expression. The word of God shall be divided precisely and accurately in the knowledge of the Christ. As you are exalted, may your people be edified. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So we. Actually, started with 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I said that the diligence there Speaks to a farmer who is weeding, tilling the ground. I mean, sowing, harvesting, sorting out the harvest and making sure that everything is fine. There's a lot that goes into it. And so if you are a farmer of the word, you should be able to be weeding, tilling, sowing, harvesting, and sorting out. Praise God. The weeding starts from your mind out your own information and whatever you knew before, don't bring them into the scriptures. Ah, are you getting the point? Yeah, don't bring what you knew into the scriptures. It's called insignesis. You are putting yourself into the scripture. You don't explain scriptures in that way. So with your mind, tell the next person, with your mind. Okay, so everybody Every time you are getting, even when I'm coming to preach, before you can take so much and the word can be one with you, you need to weed your mind. Yeah. Until you do so, it becomes very difficult. Are you getting the point? Okay. You till the ground. Is that clear? Yes. So after weeding, you make the ground ready to receive. Is that very clear? Uh Uh-huh. Ready to what? Receive. Ready to receive. And then you sow into it the word. Are you getting the point? You harvest from the word, okay? In harvesting, that's when the revelation, you have a revelation of the word. You need to make sure that you are in the line. That's the sorting out. So you don't take extras with you. Are you getting it? So you are just like the farmer. You are just like who? So it takes a lot. So you don't just read them and then bring them into application like we do. So people read scripture, they want to they read scripture, they, up, they bring it into application, look at their lives, and then apply it to their life. Bam! You don't do that. You must always make sure that you go through, through the process. You go through what? All right. So don't make conclusions, your own conclusions from scriptures. Don't make your own conclusions from scriptures. Okay? And even how the scriptures were written gives us the basis to do so. The prophecies were spoken. They were spoken and they were giving us symbols. Are you getting the point? And we know that the prophecies carried more weight than what? The symbols. Because even the symbols were spoken. (laughs) Are you getting the point? Uh Uh-huh. All right. So we, we know that in all of these speakings, Jesus was the center. Jesus was what? The center. Okay. And so in every event we read, in the midst of it all, we should be able to find his redemptive work for man in that. Praise God. And that must be clear. That must be what? Clear. Okay, good. First Peter 1, 10 to 12. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Who prophesied that the grace that will come to you? Searching what? Or what manner of time? The Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. So everything that they spoke about, what was the pivot of it? The sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. The sufferings of Christ and the glories that will. So just like we spoke about this afternoon, his dead burial and Resurrection and the inheritance that comes out of it to you and I. Praise God. Is that clear? Is that, that's the glory that filled our world. So, okay, so when heaven came down, are you getting the point? Yes, and glory filled our soul. You see, so that's exactly what he's talking about. When heaven came down is his suffering. Jesus coming down. The glory filling our soul and the glories that follow. Praise God. Eternal life and all that came with it. Praise God. All right. Yeah. To them, it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Amazing. Know that you are God's heartbeat. And every work of redemption was done for you. Oh, praise God. That's why we are the ones who worship God. Are you getting the point? Yes. And God is God always, his focus is always on you and who? I. His focus is on you and I. Okay. Look at 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private word interpretation. This is what I just said. So anybody who says that they are going beyond Scripture, run away from them. Run away from them. Private interpretation. Anybody, whoever they are, no matter how knowledgeable they are speaking, the moment they say that they know more than Scripture and God is giving them a unique revelation that is not in Scripture, they have missed the mark. It's like somebody trying to define a land. eh? Without the deed and claiming a property. Did you hear what I just said? Did you understand what I just said? Yes. So, when you are given the deed of the land, you use the deed to define the property. You don't go out of it. The written word is our deed. We can never find our promised land. Hey, are you here with me? When we go out of the deed, it will be another land. Yes. So like he said, he said another thing. He said that there's no heaven. Heaven is here. And I understand. Because the moment you talk about immortality, you will not die, then where is heaven? It's clear. It's clear. So one truth. The moment you you bypass one truth, it will lead you to the next thing. Heresy. Now, man never cried out for salvation. God gave them. Praise God. God gave it to us for free. He himself and God, with God, did the work. Amen. Amen. All right. We read it from Isaiah 64 verse 4. Okay. Yes. So we knew that they spoke these things, but they couldn't understand them. So in their time, when Moses, um, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel called them, all the great guys you know, they were speaking wonderful things that they themselves didn't have insight into. Thank God for grace. So the spirit of the Christ spoke through them, but not revealed to them. That's why we don't quote the Old Testament. We study it and we quote what has been quoted in the epistles. So we quote what have been quoted in what? The epistles. We quote what has been quoted in the, those that have not been quoted, leave them uh, alone. Praise God. So when you are quoting a witch shall not be found amongst you, you should have to kill it. So you take people to a witch camp and you give them all sorts of treatment based on this scripture. You see how the thing works? Yeah. One scripture, pick one scripture. Then pick all. They'll come, your their, their own family will donate them. One scripture, okay? When we're kids, they'll pick scripture, one of the psalms or some of the psalms. And they'll do occult with it. Scripture. Yes. Inviting dwarfs and all of those things. Yes. Scripture. All right. So don't try to be adventurous. Did you hear what I just said? Don't try to be what? Adventurous. Stick with what you have been taught. Praise God. All right. So we have a duty to bring out the revelation explained in the epistles. Amen. Okay, so even look at Leviticus, you know Leviticus and Hebrews are the same. But what did the Hebrew writer do? The Hebrew writer looked at Leviticus and explained it. So what they did, atonement that they did, seven weeks, uh, uh, yes, seven days in a week. And then also once every year, he explained how Jesus came to do it once for all. Uh, is that, is, are you getting the point? So you see that even them, they didn't go outside the written, All right. And even Jesus did the same. I read to you a scripture where they said that even though he didn't study the scripture, they are joking. The guy that we, it was accounted that he was asking questions in the synagogue. They don't know what they are talking about, but that's how the crowd speaks. ah, all of a sudden, where did he come from? Because they don't know what you've been doing. In your private. Are you getting the point? Okay. So you don't move out of scripture. You don't move out of what? Scripture. Okay. So the writer of Hebrew used what was used in the Old Testament to give us a picture of what Jesus did for us. And so when you're reading and he's talking about like a template of that in heaven, there's nothing like that in heaven. It was giving us like that in Leviticus. And so he was bringing it, are you getting the point? Just as it was written to give us the explanation of the legal work that was done, that was called it like it was in heaven. Are you getting the point? So you realize the Old Testament doesn't explain itself. We study the Old Testament and we must be careful not to stress on certain things too much. Don't stress on certain things too... I tell... tell, Uh, My son, every time, don't stress on everything too much and take it. You know, by the time you realize they are applying, they are going. And like I said, one thing leads to the, uh, by the time you realize you are off and you are saying what the scripture has not said. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time and ask questions. Inquire. Like Jesus was doing, he was asking what? Questions. If you carefully look at the role of tight played, Abraham gave to Melchizedek as explained in Hebrews 7. We've done it, right? It's symbolic of the offering of Jesus. Jesus as our high priest. Is that very clear? And we've looked into that. Everybody knows that. Wonderful. Okay. So that's Abraham became the priest. You realize that he was mediating. Do you realize that? What was he mediating for? Sodom and Gomorrah. So he became the mediator. Are you getting the point? We see him honoring who? Melchizedek. Are you getting the point? Yes. Okay. So Abraham, like we all know, became one who was typifying justification by what? Faith. Okay. So, so he became more like a mediator because on the account of giving honor, to Melchizedek, who is a type of Christ. Are you getting the point? Yes. He was in that order. He was in that order. Okay? And that's why you don't joke with honor. You don't joke with what? Honor. All right. And it tells you of the heart of Abraham, true or false, and the revelation that was in his heart. Do you understand it? Yes. Because in those days, you can, he came from what? The blacks. Yes. He came from Salem. And and so, where is he coming from? Why would Abraham, who has now known God, are you getting the point? Go to him. He respected authority. And he understood that he was also in line with the order of Christ. All right? So, we also looked at the pre-redemptive account, the eyewitness account. Okay? What was the pre-redemption account? Yes? Why is everybody... What's a pre-redemption account? Pre-redemption account. Eh? The four gospels, yes. Why are you afraid? So, yes. Yes, that's exactly. I want you to understand technical terms. So pre-redemption account. And I said the eyewitness account. Yes, his work, he, he how he was born, how he ate, how he slept, how he was tired how he overcame every temptation, how he was anointed, all of these are the pre-redemptive account. And I said that, listen very carefully, the historicity of Jesus and its facts makes his spirituality real. That is the difference between Jesus and all other religions. How he was born, as a miracle, everybody saw it. It was public how he ate, how he died on the cross, everybody saw it. Are you getting the point? If those eyewitness account was not there, it would not have been said that prophecy was fulfilled. And that's what makes the prophecy true. The prophecies came through time. Several men in different dispensations speaking the same thing and for it to come to pass, a man saw it. So, every time they were speaking in the epistles, they would tell you that we saw it. We heard it. We touched it. Because that's what makes the spirituality real. So, it is not like somebody comes and says, I am Muhammad. I have seen this. I am, uh, 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 I was going to say (laughs) Mugami. See, so so I'm this person and I've seen this, and then they will tell us what they saw in secret. No, we don't do that. Oh, we don't do that, okay? We have seen him, we testify of him. Praise God. Yeah. All right. So we also looked at the post-redemption account in transition. What is that? Yes, the post redemption account in transition. So, this was the time after the event had happened. And everybody have now realized that, oh, God came down to earth. And we didn't even realize. Okay? And now the faith was delivered to us. Explaining the faith and living it now became a problem. So, everything they had been taught, they are now going to live it. But they were with another religion, which is wealth apart from this one. The religion they were with had so many symbols, so many rituals, so many sacrifices. This one is only by faith. Faith in the dead barrier resurrection of the Christ. I don't need any other element to prove my faith. I know him and I know him. He is in my heart. He has become one with me. I am also in him. I have direct access and we are fellowship together. I don't need any other thing to stand in between. I don't need an umpire. I don't need a referee. Are you getting the point? Yes. And so now they have to now be living it and it became a gradual thing. And so they were growing from one understanding to the other. They made their mistakes. So you see all the mistakes in the Acts of the Apostles. As a matter of fact, if you look at how the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, how they received the Holy Ghost, they had to be prayed for. In Samaria, they had to go there and they pray for the people. That's where Simon said he wants to covet, okay, and pay money for it. Because he said that they laid their hands, and then they receive the Holy Ghost, and then they are speaking in tongues. But this one, it fell in, in, in Acts chapter 2. And then you go to Acts chapter 10. While uh, uh, Apostle Peter was just preaching, you know, Pam, the people started speaking in tongues. So, ah, uh, this thing, uh, how does it work? They don't understand it. And then Acts 19, Apostle Paul meets a certain people. When he meets them, Ah, they said, ah, into what were you baptized? He said, ah, into John's baptism. He said, you have no heard of the Holy Ghost. Then the what? Ah, Holy Ghost. Then he preached to them, and then he laid hands so on them. They begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. So, so then you ask, oh, so then this Holy Ghost thing, how does it come? All right? So if you don't have understanding, you look at another and Sapphira, and then they will come and lie in money. And then Peter will say, hey, I'm Okay, and then, bam, they die. So, ah, so this Holy Ghost, hey, he kills. Okay, and you can even understand how the name was used. You see that in Acts, it was used Holy Ghost, more than Holy Spirit. Yeah. I don't think, I have I've, I've not checked well, but I think that in most places, it was more Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Why? Because it became like a new phenomenon. You don't see the thing. And it's like a ghost. So, so, it was not too clear. Are you getting the point? So, they were now familiarizing themselves with the tenets of their faith. Baptism also was one of them. Okay? And so, they were not clear. Should we be baptized before as salvation? Is it part of salvation? Is it a qualification for salvation? Until Acts chapter 19, then Paul sets it straight. All, All right. So, so... So it's, it's quite very, very, very clear that it was faith in transition. So you see, when they met in Acts chapter 15, and they started looking at the cases, for example, circumcision, Some people were preaching that they should be circumcised before. It's a this thing for salvation. And Paul came in again and said, no way. That's not the way it should be. And they, they looked at it. And because of the sincerity of their hearts, you see, that exactly is how you know yourself. Whether you are following the right path or not. It is not the doctrine, it's you. When you are sincere at heart, the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you. In the word. And you know the right way. Are you getting the point? It is you. If you want to be famous. You want people to know that you, you know. And you always want to be unique. Stand out. You are setting yourself up. You are setting yourself up. You, you must submit. Let your, So you see, Peter would have gone off. But because of the sincerity of his heart, he was humble to listen to Apostle Paul. All right. So, the first rule on eyewitness account is that you can use it as doctrine. It is what somebody saw, but it doesn't mean their explanation of what they saw is right. Oh, are you here with me? So, three people can see things. All of them will give a different report. That's, that is why I will bring you, on Sunday, I will bring you to the prophetic. So, Because of Paul's knowledge, he was able to correct Apostle Peter. So, you can see prophets lined up. But the one who has the word and has a certain level of knowledge would interpret what they are seeing the right way. And the other one would tell you to go and buy cojan. Yes. And tell you they are going to give you certain acquaintance. Because that's the level of their knowledge. So you see, they are seeing it. But their evidence of it is wrong. So that's why in the epistles, when they have been able to settle the doctrine, they now started writing letters, documents to the churches. To actually make them know that this is the official praxis of the church. So you see, whatever has been before, ignore them. And go by these letters. Oh, are you understanding me? Okay, so listen very carefully. That's why anybody who goes beyond the letters that have been written is false. No matter how many miracles you see them perform no matter how many wonderful things you hear them saying, run away from them. They have moved away from the constitution that have been agreed upon. Hence, the epistle is called Revelation. In the epistles, we realize that Abraham didn't desire Canaan, but a better country whose foundation is of God. Oh, hello. True or false? Yes. The epistles... Would explain in very clear terms that the Holy Spirit does not fall, but that He's a seal of the believer and explain the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a very clear way. So if you read Acts, the Holy Spirit fell. So many believers first, when you say you're going to pray for them for the Holy Day, they say no. When he, he, he wants to come on you, then He will come. So they are waiting for the Holy Ghost to do what to fall. Because that's the expression given in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost fell. But that's not what it is. Okay. So the epistles explains to you that he's in you. He, he is in you. And he's your seal. All right. So if he's already in you, it is only left with your expression of what? Him. So the problem now is language. And language is expressed. Simple. So, you see, the moment you understand it from the epistles, you know what to do. You speak. Okay? So, it will bring you to just speaking it. And you begin to speak in the language of the Spirit. Oh, praise God. Is that very clear? All right. In the epistles, we also realize that the blessing of Abraham is no material. It's no material wealth, but justification by faith. And you can see that in Genesis 12. You will never see it. So if you are someone who segments the Bible and you don't see the Bible as one complete book, are you getting the point? And the one leading to the other. Okay, and every explanation is given in the letters, in the epistles written. We're going to interpret this one. Abraham had riches. And his riches is what God has given you. So there's going to be transfer of wealth very soon. And it's coming. So you'll be sowing seeds to wait for the transfer. Yes. Be sowing seeds. Okay. Praise God. All right. Okay. So we got to two Parman scriptures. Who can tell me them? Commonly used in the epistles Isaiah 53, 4 to 12, and then Psalm 110, verse 1. Isaiah 53, 1 to 12 speaks to the sufferings of Christ. Clear. Psalm 110, verse 1, the glory that Follows, okay. So sitting at the right hand of what the Father, okay. I engaged somebody and was telling me, oh, as the uh, uh, yes, you acknowledge your sin. When you acknowledge your, he said first, he said confession of sins. When I explained, he said no, 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 it's not confession of sin. I we all mean the same thing. It's acknowledgement of sin. But it is when you acknowledge your sin that you are forgiving. I said, hey, so you want Christ to die twice? Ah, Christ is sitting. He has sat down. And he's put all things under what? So I started explaining. That's why you can ask for healing. Because he didn't die for your healing. He died for your sins. So you don't ask for forgiveness again. Because he's paid for everything. Are you getting the point regarding your sin? But when you need healing, you have to ask. Are you getting the point? Because it's only a fringe benefit. Are you getting the point? So you don't ask for forgiveness. 1 John two twelve will tell you. Little children, your sins are what? Forgiving. For his name, sake, because you confess his name. He didn't say because you acknowledge your sin. My little children, if you sin, you have an advocate. He's referring to him sitting at the right hand of God. Praise God. So we looked at physical healing explaining that if you are saved, you are healed. Yes, you are, but not physically. But we have the right to physical healing as well. Praise God. We have also learned a lot about material wealth in the light of our redemption. Has the believer been made rich materially? Do we give to be blessed? Is, our giving, is it our giving that makes us to prosper or prosperous? Oh, okay, all right. So let's continue with that and establish it very well so we can be well grounded in that knowledge. Abraham was rich. And how was he? rich? Through the kind of trade that was doing well in his generation. Are you getting the point? Did you realize that all of them, including their own believers, were doing the same trade? They were not doing any special trade, though. All of them. It was livestock, agriculture, production, agriculture production, and then he had a private army. Oh, hello? Yes. Okay? That's how they went to deliver a lot. You, you, you realize that? Yes. Okay? So, he was doing the same things they were doing in his generation. Ah, amen, yes, yes, yes. He was not doing anything special. Is that very clear? Okay, all right. And we know that he was not obviously rich because he was giving. We first saw him give to who? Melchizedek, correct? All right, look at Genesis thirteen eight. So Abraham said to Lot, you remember that? please let there be no strife between you and me and between my husband and your husband, for we are brethren. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Abraham was not covetous. So although he was making money, the money was not holding him. He didn't become a servant for the money. So even when a boy that he brought up was fighting with him, what did he do? He let it go. He let it go. His Christian virtue came to bear in the midst of prosperity. You come to understand something. Praise God. Lot's motivation was very different from Isaac. True of us, so we know what he did. You know, right? What he did. He looked at the best place. Ah, he didn't even consider. Oh, this is the man who, who brought me. Say, I can't do that. How can I? Please choose. Not, 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 not a lot. And he got his lot. Genesis 14, 21 to 24. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God, Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. Watch this. That I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham rich. Hey, are you here with me? Can you say the same? Honest gain. Say honest gain. Oh, say honest gain. Honest gain. Say it with your mouth. Confess it. Gain. Ah, ah, ah. You are not saying it though? Honest gain. Good. I want you to say it with your mouth. What your mouth says, the moment you start speaking it, you will do it. And we are getting to a time that if you're not careful, it will be very difficult because things are getting harder and harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not careful, you're not careful, honest gain will be far from you. You do everything to make money. Hmm. Ask for more grace every time. It will be good for you. Good. Yes. All right. So, so it's, it's very important that each and every time, you know that, listen to me very carefully, no matter what surrounds you, It is not bigger than what you have gotten. It's the only way out. Praise God. Yeah, it's the only way out. Okay. Okay. So, he made it clear. His stance was what? Clear. We also know that he got 100% harvest, no crop failure, true or false. Okay? So, the Lord... All the Lord did was to give him direction, true of us, And the direction was concerning his job. The seed Abraham sowed was not seed in church. No, it was in his business. So he sowed seed in the farm. And in the farm, he got 100%. At certain points, too, he didn't get anything. Hey, are you here with me? Yeah. He didn't show that God was not with him. Ah, are you getting the point now? At a certain point, he would dig wells and we take him from him. But he still endured it. As for you, they are casting. They are still casting the spirit of disappointment. They are casting it out of you and it's still not gone. The spirit of disappointment. I will speak to that on Sunday. Sunday, I will tear that prophetic thing apart. I will tear it apart. The way some of you, your hearts are bound to this. And is destroying a lot of lives. Do you you know? Listen, a lot of Christians have been destroyed by the prophetic ministry. Many believers have become a pale shadow of themselves because of the prophetic ministry. Their confidence has been taken away. They are always confused. They always have to talk to a man of God to know what they have to do. Excuse me to say, even if they have to go to the loo. Terrible. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, he who made us alive, we were once dead in trespasses and sins, which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the sense of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So we thank God that, listen, by Christ we have been moved. And we can see that Abraham showed this nature in grace, right in Genesis. So that he was not, the spirit of disobedience was not working in Abraham. He knew the Christ to come. Oh, praise God. Are you understanding me? You saw it in Isaac. Did you see it in Isaac? Did you see it also in Jacob? All of them in their work ethics, you could see the trace of the training of their father. No matter how you look at Solomon's story, he has something before he asks for wisdom. It only showed he was not perverse at heart. He was not money conscious. Can you see that? Yes. Even when he... Do you know how much money his money left him? His father left him. So true, true, though. He had a lot of money. His father left him a lot of money, if you don't know. So some people say that's why he has for wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 when God has, <asked> him, hey, Solo, <laughs> hey, what do you want? Hmm. <laughs> The money is dead already. So he said, hmm, I need wisdom. It's a lie, oh. It's a lie. Those who have money still want more money. Yes. So he really had a good heart. He wanted to know how he would govern God's people. That's why even when he he went away, he still came back in the end and said that all is what? Vanity. That statement is one of the statements that anybody, even unbelievers in the world, quotes that scripture. All is vanity. So listen to me, with all that Solo did, he corrected himself by just that statement. So that no matter how you think, you've gotten riches, and you are actually dwelling on what Solo did, he will bring you back to the fact that he won't take you anywhere. He doesn't have the final say. As a matter of fact, he used his to tell you that I've seen it all. So, if you couldn't get more than I have, and I'm telling you all is vanity, then truly all is vanity. Oh, praise God. Okay. There are things that actually contribute to financial prosperity. Please listen, listen to me very carefully. Oh. Like I told you right now about Solomon, his father left him a lot of money. So, family lineage contributes to financial prosperity. Oh, hello. Did you see Jesus use the prodigal son? And in that example, he gives us a father who has properties. So it's not bad, though. So please, there are certain people, their father has left properties. That's why it's not everybody who can be a billionaire. Oh, are you here with me? Yes. Yes, they've left properties, you know? So you don't try and try to maneuver everything. Family lineage. Sometimes... The nation in which you are born gives you opportunities. Oh, are you here with me? These are natural things. Say natural things. If you come from a nation. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. When a football team plays and they score one, they start destroying things in their stadium. And then in the end, it's their own tax money they will use. Don't say Nigerians, Ghanaians do do it. Also do it. So it's a nation. It's a nation. Sometimes education. Sometimes education. Okay? If you live no no, if you live in Switzerland, you don't need faith for light. There's <laughs> listen, there's one organization that the whole world knows. It is no UN. It's no UN. Nepa. <laughs> My brother, two of us. Never. You mention Nepa, Everybody, for light. You need to have faith. So you're going to have a program. And you don't have a generator. You need to have faith for light. Hey. <laughs> All right. Okay. Look at Luke 12, 15. Something is there. Everybody read it. Go. And he has said to them, go. Take heed and beware of what? Convert yourself. mm mm-hmm. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Hey, hello. So Jesus actually always spoke against hoarding. Hoarding. And made it clear that it is not your spirituality and the abundance of material wealth has no correlation. Has no correlation. One's life does not consist... In the abundance of the things he possesses. So, every time you see Jesus talking against prosperity, he is not talking that you should not be prosperous. He is saying that in your prosperity, don't hoard. Oh, are you here with me? Hey, are you here? So, in your prosperity, don't what? Hoard. What it means is that you are allowed to work and in your work he will bless the works of your hands. But as he blesses the work of your hands don't engage in hoarding me myself and I. That is not the spirit of Christ. That is not the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 12:21 So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's talking about the rich fool. The one who was hoarding. Are you getting the point? And he says, fool, tomorrow your soul will be taken away from you. And what are you going to do with all that you've hoarded? You've worked. You've labored. Somebody else will come and eat everything. Okay? So so every time you see him talking against prosperity, it is not prosperity itself. He's talking about the character of the one who owns much. How they treat money. How they see money. When you look at Mark 10, the same thing. The rich young ruler. The moment he was asked to go and give his wealth away, you know what happened? He went away what? Sad. He didn't return, Oh, no. Bible never said anywhere he returned, though. He went away. Sad. Went away sad. I've seen people come to church. The moment the pastor talks about money, they take their bag, you don't see them again. You don't see them? You've touched the wrong cord. Imlebo. You are holding on to their liver. Yeah. So the young boy walked away because it's not a principle to be rich. He was admonished to give as a memorial before God. So when you have it, you have it as a principle. I have to be rich. I have to be rich. What you are going to do is that every time you want to hoard. And it's amazing how we can teach that when you give, you have more. We can see here that everybody who is having more, what were they doing? They were doing what? Oh, say it. Were they hoarding? Yes. They were hoarding. When Jesus told the guy, give it away, he said, I won't give it away. That's why he went sad. Claire. Yes. So he doesn't want to give away. That's why he has become rich. So he has become rich through hoarding, not through giving. Open your eyes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. So you can do investments. You can do investments. But what is the motivation? You are growing the money. And definitely... There are things to do to be a blessing to people. But if the hoarding is, I want to build a multi-billion dollar account so that everybody will call me rich. And that's exactly, I want to just build estates. I hear somebody has 102 houses. Yes. Yes. You know? And he's proud of them. And the, oh, that's all they want to flaunt. Tomorrow they are coming with their, you know, and they are flaunting it and that's all that makes them happy. You are wealthy, you are kind That's where your importance is. And the moment that diminishes a little bit, it's like your life has been taken away from you. Check! I can tell you 99% of very rich people, their only fear is to wake up and their money is no more. They cringe. That's why, if you check statistics, almost all of them die young. Whilst the man who is eating organic food in the remote village can live 102, 103, and you see his teeth are still there. They are fine. All right. So so the idea and the motivation must always be clear. Is that very clear? Okay. Look at Lazarus and the rich man. You see how he was described? And why Jesus spoke against it? He was stingy and wicked. Yet he was prosperous. So stingy people get rich, oh? Yes! Stingy people get rich. So I don't know where your theology came from. That is, you have to give and get more. It's a lie. Stingy people, they are the ones who get rich. I had an uncle. We all need we'll go and play there. But you know you come back home with nothing. Hey, we'll show his houses and then we're all boasting. This is how this is house. We'll go there. We we'll know that everybody knows that. no <laughs> Koba. You know, sometimes you see somebody even married with a married to a especially ladies, married to a rich man, and then everybody thinks, ah, the lady married, to, they are rich. Sometimes he has to ask, to ask for five cities, 20 cities. I said, Solo, Solo, you are preaching for me now. <laughs> yes, if they, it's, and you think that they are, but because he's gathering wealth, nobody takes it. Yeah, nobody, nobody. As a matter of fact, I know rich men, they are so covetous, I mean, They are guarding their money so much that they don't want to ride their willow. The idea of thinking that this thing is going to go to somebody is killing them. Don't take it. It's a bad spirit. It's a bad spirit. Are you getting the point? Yes. And if you are also the one who is also lazy, we're going to go to, to that. Sitting and always waiting for a handover, you are worse off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are worse off. As for your own. So for some people, they think that, oh, the way pastor is preaching here. uh, I know this rich man. I'm going to talk to him. Go. (laughs) Okay. So you look look at Luke 19. Jesus commended a young man called Zacchaeus. You know him. He gave to the poor as as the son of what? Abraham. And Jesus commended him. So you see, Jesus is not against being rich. But what you do with it. Hello. Luke 21.1. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. You know this. Saw a certain poor um, um, widow putting in into, into mites. And, 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 and he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. Hello. So you see what Jesus was saying. Saying, well, you see, they are doing it big. They are doing it big. But I know their hearts. I know this woman. She has it. All she has is what she's brought. And if I look at it in my scheme of things, I'm the one who acknowledges the right and the, uh, the, the, the good and the bad giving. She has given more than them all. May that be your testimony. Okay? So we must not get lustful and covetous. Hello? Yes. We must not. As much as you can say, money comes to me, go and work. Through your work, money will come to you. Don't just be sitting and making confessions. Money comes to me. Money comes to me. I said, money comes to me. You wake up, money, money comes to me. And you are waiting for money to come. Like manna to fly. No, go do some work. Praise God. At certain points in your lack, you will meet your need. But that will not make you prosperous. Are you getting the point? That will not make you what? Prosperous. Okay, so watch this. Third John 2 is one scripture. To the beloved Gaius. You see, John was writing to this young man Gaius. And listen, this young man Gaius was actually spoken of and what was spoken of him. He was one of the souls. Paul knows him very well. Okay, as well as John. And as a matter of fact, they know him for his hospitality, for his generosity, and for his giving. Are you here with me? So, in the church, as a matter of as when they were talking about him, they talked about him in that light. So, he was the one that they wrote the letter to. Are you getting the point? To the beloved Gaius. Are you getting it? Whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray. So you see the one he's addressing. Hey, are you here with me? So now we are going to look at the letter in this context. Oh, you now see the character they, they are, he's writing to. Hey, are you here with me? Yes. So to the beloved girls. Whom? So whom tells you it's an individual? Oh, are you here? Yes. So it's not a church. He was in the church. And he was actually playing significant roles when it comes to ministry and giving. So you can now see why John wrote the way to him, this way to him. He said, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and in health, just as your soul prospers. Sure. Because Gaius number one, He's doing ministry correct. He loves the Lord. Are you getting the point? And he also gives in ministry. So Paul is saying, just as you are doing well with ministry, I also pray for you that you will prosper in all things. Materially and also what? Your health. Does that make sense now? How do I know that? Look at the next verse. For I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Do you understand it now? So you can see that there is nowhere where material prosperity cancels walking in truth or comes above walking in truth. Your walking in truth should actually be the guide to your material prosperity. Ah, I hope I've explained it very well. So he's actually giving counsel to the man. Girls, that we know you and your giving ability. You have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The way you are actually doing ministry and doing so well, I also wish above all things, that you also do well in material prosperity and also in sound health. Praise God. Is that very clear? All right. All right. So that's, what, that's why you see like 1 Timothy six seventeen, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. So you see. So Gaius works in the truth. He's materially blessed, but he cannot be haughty, is an example of walking in the truth. Hey, are you here with me? And you can also hear him saying that he is already materially prosperous. It is not because he became born again that he became prosperous. So can you see that for everybody they are talking about their prosperity, it is not faith related. Shh. Claire. Claire. Command those who are rich in this present age. Gospel day there. Not to be haughty. So it means they were rich even before they came to church. Oh, hello. Yes. They should not be haughty. Not to trust in uncertain riches. So riches are uncertain. Hey, money they fly. Sika tabai. I've seen people lose investments in millions, little mistakes, and it's all gone. So rich, suddenly they are poor, uncertain. But in the living God, so you see, like he told Gaius, walk in truth. Are you getting the point? Trust in the living God. Don't trust in riches. The rich man trusts in their riches. Money has a way of making you trust it, that it is the Almighty. Hey, do you know that? Yes. When you get money, some of you, I see it in the way you walk. The day you don't have money too. When I look at you, I can see. When you have money, when you are walking. The day you don't have money, when you are walking. Watch what he says. There's something there that you need to be clear about. Watch. They should trust in the living God. Watch. He's now giving the general or the generic principle. Let's all read it. Who, Who does what? Who gives us what? Richly. All things to enjoy. So prosperity is not bad. Oh, praise God. It is God who by the work of their hands blesses people. Whether they are believers or what? Unbelievers. But he says 18. Hey, what should they do with it? Go. Let them do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to give. So you see, anytime he talks about prosperity, he brings on the attitude and the character that must go with it. Look at Ephesians 4.28. You see there too. Let's all go. Go. Somebody said, this scripture, dear, I don't like. Uh, it shows me your heart. Let him who stole, still no longer. But rather, let him labor. Working. Working. Oh, hey, working with his hands. What is good? What is good means noble job. Not any job that is for one night. Yes. Doing a good job. Uh-huh, he should do what? That he may what? Have something To give to him who has need. Take him from others. Illegally. Go and work. So that you can rather what? Give legally. Oh, gracefully. Praise God. All right. so I read this from this apostle. I've never, I don't know him. I don't know him anywhere. Apostle Marvelous Arunda. What he just said is what I'm capturing. I didn't say go and take his tapes. I just, this one, this one. Money is a bad master but a good servant. Money is good in your hand, but bad in your heart. It he just caught me. It just caught me. So, put money in your hands, not in your heart. That one is mine. Don't put money ever in your heart. In other words, don't make money your master. Oh, somebody said money is good, oh. Somebody said money is bad, oh. Money is not good, and money is not bad. Money takes the character of the one that possesses. If you are good, money will be good. And if you are bad, money will be bad. Oh, blood money. Blood money is not the money that is evil. The one who does the blood is the one who is evil. Hey, did you hear what I just said? Uh The spirit is not in the money. The spirit is in that person. And the money takes the character of that person. Hey, are you getting the point? Yes. Are you understanding it? So you see, make sure that you are not a servant to money. If every time you are explaining why you shouldn't give to somebody, and every time you are explaining, you have a problem. Every time you are withholding, you have a problem. You have a problem. God wants you to prosper financially. Yeah, yeah. The believer who is... A believer has the spirit of Christ in him. Praise God. So he must thus respond to the spirit to be productive. Amen. Just like Abraham did. Are you getting the point? Yes. But he must actually make sure that he does not walk as if there's Christian money. And there is unbelievers money. No. There is unbelievers way of work and work ethics. There is a believer's way of work and work ethics. Are you hearing me? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how Jesus met Peter's, uh, uh, Peter's need the first time he met Peter? Luke 5, bountiful fish. Are you getting the point? Yes. He met his need and used it to show him how he's going to catch fishes for Christ. Are you getting it? Yes. Apostle Paul talks in Philippians 4, 9, 19. My God shall supply... All your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 1 John 5.14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hello. And if we know that he hears hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we asked for. Praise God. And ask of him. Amen. So what he means is that, let him that steals, steals no more. Let him work honestly. Oh, praise God. May you show good works and lay a solid foundation in eternity. The Garden of Eden represents total prosperity for man. And that was God's original plan. Oh, hello. Yes. And so it is God's will for you to live long, to be in good health, to have spiritual freedom, and to have financial prosperity. But don't let prosperity have you. God's prosperity is conditioned to one's purpose on earth. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. So what it is, is this. We have a purpose to preach the gospel. Hey, may you be rich towards that. Hey, are you hearing me? May that mandate cause you to always feel the burden to meet the needs of people. Hey, are you here with me? But God doesn't produce billionaires. He actually creates vessels of billions. In other words, he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. Oh, are you hearing me? He wants you to be what? Blessed to be a blessing. All right. And so make sure that whatever you are seeking to have is aligned with the great commission. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Oh, hello? Yeah. All right. So don't stand and uh, 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 see yourself, you know, when a preacher is preaching a prosperity gospel and, and using certain scriptures and, and he's saying certain things hey, and then talking about people who, who, who are poor and, and, and condescending on them. Don't be a part of it. When also they are using scriptures just to make you sow seeds to receive bountifully and to receive harvest, to receive the perfect blessing. See, okay, you have an uncompleted building. You want to finish it. Come and sow a seed. Okay. The moment you sow a seed, you finish the building. All of those things, they are fraud. They are lies. God does not do for one eye. Let me give you the last scripture. 1 Timothy 6, 18 to 19. 1 Timothy 6, 18 to 19. Let's all read it. Go. Let them do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. May this be your motivation to be prosperous. May this be your motivation. Have you been blessed? Grace, glorious honest. grace Grace, glorious grace At the cross, you called it thinness Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Karis Center International. We believe the Word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Karis Center International, living heaven on earth.